0: Hello and welcome to The Great Collide. This is where we explore the intersection between politics and faith. I'm Leanne Nolan. And I'm Jasmine Taylor. Why do we always
1: have to talk about race? That's the question some parents ask as schools in blue states teach critical race theory and civil rights history. Meanwhile, in some red states, teaching about race and racism has been banned.
0: That's right. You know, Jasmine, our guests today are here to tell us how they talk about race in the context of the church and how those lessons can be applied to politically diverse groups. So let's go ahead and welcome Alicia Reese and Robert Crouch. They are co moderators of the Presbyterian Church's Commission on Anti Racism and Equity, or CARE. Alicia and Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. So I, I have to start off by asking what is CARE? And what
2: does it do? CARE is the Commission on Anti-Racism and Equity. The goal was to dismantle racism within the Chicago Presbytery, which is about 80-some churches in the Chicago region. And our goal was to find ways to break down the barriers from full participation in the Presbytery for all persons and to make sure that there was ease of access for every individual who wanted to be a part of the activities and functions of the presbytery to do so. So we've been taking a close look at how our systems are working. We've been taking efforts to identify white cultural values and processes and to make recommendations, care, make recommendations to the presbytery on ways to dismantle some of those systems and processes.
1: So my question for you, why do we we need to talk about race, this topic that has rarely been discussed in some churches for most of their history?
2: Well, I am so glad you asked that question. I think that's a really powerful question. And I'm going to borrow a phrase from Dr. Cornel West from one of his books that says race matters. And I think race touches every socioeconomic strata in our nation and in our society. And unfortunately, it's a big issue in our churches. And as Dr. King said, the 11 o'clock hour is probably the most segregated hour of the week. We still have to find ways to overcome uh, all of the burdens that we carry around race. It's still relevant today.
0: Now, this applies uh, to my context in Southern Illinois. How, how do you teach about race in churches where there are few or maybe no people of color?
3: And that's something that we're constantly having to um, think about. Um, so particularly with CARE and our commission, we work on the presbytery level Um, And so working with entities within the Presbytery um, and like Robert said, you know, having taking a closer look at what we do and why and how white cultural values are um, very much a part of that and trying to dismantle those. Um, But uh, like as an example, um, there are all kinds of ways that you can broach this conversation in Different churches. Um, as as an example, last year um, my ch- my church uh, used uh, a curriculum called "Tell Me the Truth About Racism," um, and it's a storytelling based um, curriculum designed specifically for children that tells the story of racism in the world, um, and then particularly how it was all, the church has been involved in it. Um, as well, so that's like one possible resource that we have used um, to have those conversations and to start having conversations with, you know, children from like preschool and uh, specifically like the conversations within a church hasn't been care's focus yet. Um, We have uh, developed um, an introduction to systemic racism workshop designed specifically for the presbytery and presbytery entities to then take those learnings back to their churches and then hopefully encourage folks in their churches to come and take the workshop as well. Um, And in that workshop, we try to, uh, we use a few tools. Um, One is the Courageous Conversation Covenant, which is A foundation to begin having these conversations that um, we are a covenant people, Christians. And so that language is often well uh, received that we are a covenant people and we should come to the table with an open heart and an open mind and with respect for everyone. Um, And that gives us a place to start from and to hold one another accountable when we do have these really difficult conversations about race.
2: And if I could respond also, I would add to everything. Alicia just stated, I'm a Black American. I attend a predominantly white church. And what I find important in response to your question about how do you teach about race, one thing is building relationships, intercultural, cross-cultural relationships, and building those relationships by telling stories and creating and Environment where individuals can have an open dialogue uh, in a safe, comfortable space. Alicia mentioned the courageous conversations agreement that we start our discussions with. It's so important to be able for individuals to come together and to ask questions and to share their thoughts and feelings. The issue of race is very (laughs) emotional. It's it's very difficult not to get in those conversations without an extreme amount of of emotion surfacing. So often we react to what we hear instead of processing what we uh, are taking in. And one of the things that our Courageous Conversations Agreement does is reminds us that we all bring value to the discussion. We're all created in the image of God, and as such, we should listen to one another with respect. And then another tenet is to listen to understand. So listen, not formulating a response and opinion, bringing individuals together to have an open dialogue around the subject of race from whatever our perspective and our viewpoint is.
1: So I like that idea of storytelling. That's where you get to connect with people. Creating safe space is amazing. Some people, or many people, probably feel like racism is a thing of the past and that teaching about it just makes some people feel guilty. How would you respond to that?
3: I think what we would normally say is, you know, first, it's important to kind of acknowledge those feelings as they're coming up. But to never let yourself get stuck in the guilt, um, because when you do that, you make it about you, and then you make it impossible to move forward. Um, if you get kind of, you know, just stuck in the guilt, then you never get to the place of like those learnings and the and the moving past and um, getting to have that better, deeper understanding and deeper connection with those who you may be in the in the process with. Um, so I, you know, as, as the, the white co-facilitator of our team, um, I'm, I'm new to the co-moderatorship. I've been on the team for just over three years. Guilt has definitely been a part of the the process, um, and shame and so many other feelings. Um, but at the end of the day, those aren't going to move us any closer to dismantling systemic racism. So I just try not to get stuck in that. And sometimes... Being able to say to another white person in their own process of, you know, figuring some of this out that I, too, have struggled with those feelings, but not letting them get the better of you or let them, you know, kind of make you take steps backward um, is is the important thing.
2: I would add on to what Alicia said, Um, we can't fix what we don't face. And it is so critically important for us to not only acknowledge and face our our history and some of our history is not pleasant, but also dealing with our uncomfortable emotions. And one of the things we remind each other of in our space together is to um, be honest, authentic and to not run away from what we're feeling. And we look at our emotion in the conversation as a part of our expression and what we learn. Because so often we're not, I don't feel, I don't experience guilt, but there are times I experience anger and frustration, and I try to temper that. But we help one another in our collective space to process what we're feeling and we actually talk through and work through um, our stories and and the impact those stories have on us and some of it is guilt and shame and we try to ask clarifying questions why do, why do you feel that way? What does this mean but I think the the real important thing here is, the courage to face everything we're feeling, whether it's guilt, shame, rage, and for us to be uh, patient with one another. One of our other tenets is to make room for diverse voices, and that is not just about perspective, but it's also about the ways we communicate, and so we try to allow space for these various emotions that surface during our discussions,
0: talking about um just the the intense emotion behind this and the need for communication, um have you had any backlash over people trying to have these conversations with others who maybe don't share their ideology?
2: I think we've had I'm not going to call it backlash, but but we've had lots of differences in opinions and differences in perspectives, which sometimes get very intense. Um, but again, um, we have to allow individuals to have their say in these meetings and not go into attack mode and not to shut the other person down. And, you know, we just finished uh, a three-week discussion group at my church, and we had individuals that, you know, probably half the room, um, you know, half the room were, quote, conservative and half not conservative. And there were some pretty raw feelings and thoughts expressed, but then we have learned just to pass the mic, you know, and and not to go into a judgment mode or a condemning mode. And that to me is the difficulty in the work is, is tempering our frustration and what we're feeling and just reminding one another that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. And, and I have to say again, we can't fix what we don't face, but, um, I'm not sure we've had backlash in our congregation. I think Alicia's church may have had some backlash, but, um, Just finding that sweet spot where we can continue to share stories and share with one another.
0: Alicia, did you have anything to add to that or do you have any experiences along those lines?
3: The backlash that my church faced um, last year was actually in response to the theme that we had for our Lent, um, like the season of Lent. Um, which we we called fasting from whiteness. There was definitely discussion within the membership of the church around the theme and different ways of engaging with it throughout the season of Lent. Um, but the backlash that we received was from an organization outside of the church, um, uh, a more conservative political organization that just kind of saw our banner and and used it to, you know, stir up trouble. Um, so that was, that was the backlash. And so it was, you know, then we were getting calls and emails from all over the country. But, um, as far as like my church itself, they are a church that very much cares about, is passionate about a lot of social justice issues. So earlier in our conversation, uh, Robert, you mentioned race matters.
1: We know race really does matter. And so thank you all for this work. But I want to know where, where do we go from here? How do we bridge this gap and talk about race? How do we do that?
2: Hmm. I I am finding a lot of value in sharing stories and building platforms and building spaces for people to come together and share their stories um the right wrong and the indifferent stories but just to bring their total self into the space and and you know, race matters, and here we are in 2023, and it still amazes me that race matters when it comes to health, when it comes to economics, when it comes to employment. Race matters in so many areas of society, and I think we've all been kind of purring along uh, thinking things were okay until we had that reawakening with George Floyd. Um, And since then, a lot of us have been taking a deeper dive in some of these social indicators. But we've got to continue to come and communicate with one another. And we have to fix it together. Um, It it can't occur in a silo. And I remember like during the Dr. Martin Luther King civil rights years, it wasn't just solely one group. You know, there was a broad demographic in that work. Um, People who came together, you know, Jewish, white, Black. Um, and so I think we all have to continue to come together and work on these issues.
1: Alicia, did you have anything that you would like to add to that response?
3: Well, I just think that, um, yes, I think every uh, it, race matters and it matters in all of these different contexts. And so it, it is a, appropriate and necessary to have these discussions in in all spaces, Um, and I think about the church and why we, why I feel called to this work and being on the care team and and all this, this is what Jesus preached in the gospel. Um, It's not and sometimes people get really hung up on the like language of race, racism, anti-racism. But what we're talking about is really liberation for all people. Um, it's, it, you know, it just as much impacts a white person, a black person, a any ethnicity, right? Like we're all in these systems that um, are devaluing our fellow human beings. And that is not, okay, we all are created in the image of God. And so um, I just, this is the work that I feel called to do. And um, so whatever space someone is in, whatever work they're doing, this could very much be a part of that work. So listening to one
1: another and doing this thing together, those are the, the big things I got out of that. So Do you all have any other things that you would like to add to the conversation before we head toward our close?
2: I think God calls us to live in community and race is something that divides us because it places value on some and devalues others. And I really believe that God calls us to see the inherent worth and value in one another, and to see the image of God in each other. That's what calls me to this work. I really believe that we belong to one another. We share humanity. And as such, we belong one to the other. And it's a difficult, it's difficult work But I think we have been called to look after the oppressed and the powerless and the helpless. There are so many aspects of this work. And I think it's all centered around race, because, again, race is one of those things that uh, we place a variety of values on one another. But God wants us to look in in each other's eyes and see the image of God. And and to handle each other with great care.
1: And if we were in church, I'd say, "Amen." Oh, I shame. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Alicia, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Just, just
3: everything that Robert said, I would sum up as the beloved community that Dr. King called it. Um, that's what we we are striving for.
1: Yeah. And I go with the amen, and I say, to that too. <laughs> yeah. Amen and I say, "Thank you, Alicia and Robert." That is all the time we have for today. Be sure to download our episodes, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a review, and most importantly, tell your friends. Go to GCBM.org
0: for all of the links. The Great Collide is a production of the Greater Chicago Broadcast Ministries a communications ministry of the Protestant, Orthodox, and Episcopal Churches of Greater Chicago in cooperation with the Council of Religious Leaders of Metropolitan Chicago.
1: I'm Jasmine Taylor.
0: And I'm Leanne Noland. Keep Keep the the faith. faith.